Hello, hello, this is Hip Hop Pastor D.E.E. A.K.A. A. Marie Jones, evangelist and spiritual leader of the method. And guess what? We are praising God today because we are learning how to make faith a lifestyle here on the method. Yes, we are. And we have a special guest today. And this special guest is someone I absolutely adore. He is like my little brother and he's very very smart and intelligent and i'm so proud of him he didn't grown up and became a whole man y'all <laughs> and we are going to be blessed to have dr james howard hill jr with us today on the method to help expand our understanding of method question number 17 do i enjoy serving god and others and during this podcast we will be featuring music from chris brown so please if you like the music that we're playing on the method today please subscribe to mr brown on all streaming services. Also, we want to bring to light to our listening congregation that all of our downloads and sound effects come from free downloads and stuff from youtube.com. So let's get this party started. It's time for the method. I am mighty. we are we want to thank god for our ministry and our congregation for listening and we hope that we inspire you to want to live by the g code if you're listening with us for the first time well i guess what we need to do is tell you exactly what the g code is the g code is just our way of living out the general rules of john and charles wesley we had to put a new spin on them with some wise words in order to live by them so we live and die by this. We do everything we can to do no harm. We strive to do as much good as we can. And we show that we are doing this by being good people and neighbors. And that is the G-Code. And guess what? If you're down with the method, you can live and die by the G-Code too. If you want to transform your life and community, just start with the G-Code and go from there. More is coming up next, so we want you to keep it locked right here. Hello, hello. Hey, James, how are you? Hey, what's going on, family? How are you? I'm doing good. 
doing good. It's so good to hear your voice. What you been up to? I know you have the most beautiful babies ever. Um, thank you, family. Thank you, thank you. So how's Jessica doing? She's doing well. She's doing well. Everyone blessed and healthy, and she's finishing up school as well. She's, of course, super mom. So, yeah, no, she, she's, doing, she's doing great. She's a blessing. I see. How are you? How are you? How am I? I am being a renegade, James. You've turned me oh, into I'm one. Surprised. Why are you surprised I'm being no, a renegade? That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's my sarcastic voice. That's my sarcastic thought. Not surprised at all. <laughs> how, are you, how are you being a renegade, family? How are you being a renegade? With my radio ministry, I am using my knowledge of investigative reporting to do church and society pieces and sermons and just let people know that there's room for improvement in the church. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I'm definitely here for that conversation, 100%. You're here for this conversation. Now, yeah. I need for you to let my listening congregation know how I know you specifically, James. Okay, yes, yes. We were both students at Perkins School of Theology. Yes. Uh, Yes. She was, big, she, was, she was a big sister to me on campus, made sure I had what I needed to tell for me, and I love her for it. I love you too, James. You my brother. I love you so much. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now, James, the reason why I'm seeking out your help is because even though you're not a pastor, you understand how to teach faith and spirituality because you are a theologian. Can you let my listening congregation know where you got your PhD from and your concentration please yeah I sure can PhD is from Northwestern University in religious studies concentration and African American studies what I'm so proud of you <laughs> so what are you doing with your PhD now you are a professor at uh, University of Oklahoma now I am I am a assistant professor of religion um, at the University of Oklahoma teach courses in religion and African American studies and um, the arts uh, visual arts, musical arts and so yeah, definitely teaching, uh, have my hands in several bags, religion, African American studies, cultural theory I have a good time, I have a good time and uh, students uh, I, when I'm at my best, students have a great time as well, so we have a good time together Okay, so that means that you need to invite me to be a guest lecturer. We got to do that. We got to get you down to Norman. We got to get you down to Norman for sure. <laughs> now, James, today for this week, now for this episode, I'm going to answer the method question for the week. And the method question for the week is method question number 17. Um, do I enjoy serving God and others? Okay, okay. And remember like a hundred years ago when you were on the method when I was doing it at SMU as a student? Remember that? Uh, vaguely, vaguely. You have to remind me, but vaguely, yes. Oh, well, I will send you a copy of the podcast so you can play it for your students so okay. they can laugh at you. Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> I was fucking laughing at myself first. <laughs> But anyway, what we do, like I did at Perkins, I always start the conversation out with popular quotes from famous people. And the goal of the conversation that we're about to have now is to just set everybody's mind frame into the right way of thinking theologically. And we always use quotes from famous people to get people ready for that before we lay the word on them deeply the way that we do for sure. so for sure. we so I, we learned that having an epitaph is a good way to prepare like a listening audience like radio audience for the sermon and i enjoy having these conversations with people that i know have as much or more 
knowledge in the area of theology as me because I like to learn from the conversation. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you three popular quotes and then you're going to tell me which one you personally relate to and why. All right. The first quote comes from Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali says, service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. Got that one? Got it. All right. The next one comes from Mahatma Gandhi. And he says, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. And the last one is from evangelist Billy Graham. And he says... The highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. The greatest form of praise is the sound of consecrated feet seeking out the lost and the helpless. So, Dr. Hill, which one of these quotes do you personally relate to and why? Um, I have to go with Ali all day, every day. He's a, he's a hero. Since you said all that, you it was a whole bunch of questions that just came into my mind because I'm hearing exactly what you're saying and I know for a fact that you know how it is for us when I meet us black folks. And when we um, are in service in our community through our local churches being African American, how do we go from just being in service where we're providing a band-aid versus helping somebody thrive because you and i know that even though food pantries is a ministry that's needed especially now in the time of inflation but really food pantries are band-aids right right i think that i think that you're asking a great question family i think it's a it's a deeper question that you're 
Mm-hmm. It's not just about offering another program, another auxiliary ministry. We have to we have to get back to um, or should I let me, let me back up and say it's a radical uh, it's a radical conversation. We know the word radical literally means root to the root. Yes. Right? So yes. It's a radical conversation. I mean, you got to get to the root to it. The root to it is that. That's right. trying to emulate Jesus. I'm a nobody trying to tell everybody about someone who can save anybody. I'm, I know my limitations and I just think that once I learn my limitations, I see myself not having boundaries. I, I, I just, I, I see the room for flexibility and for God to work in my life. So when you are in service in your uh, in your local community uh, through nonprofit organizations or church, what are some things that you do that bring some really true spiritual fulfillment into your life? Right, no, that's a great question for me, family. It's uh, just being in. I mean, it may seem simplistic, but I really think once again, it is radical. Get to the root, God. I have conversations with people at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really try to be a friend. I try to be a brother. I try to be a comrade. There was once a season in my life where I needed to be in the front. I'll, I'll, I'll own that first and foremost. I needed to be seen. I needed to be known as the most important. I need, I, you know, if I had the same mind that I had. 
ago, the first thing you need to know about me is I'm Dr. Hill, and this is my, these are my credentials, and I'm here to help you, and you need to understand that. And that's, that's how I initiated everything I was doing. Uh, but today, by the grace of God, I just, I just want to uh, be a friend to people. I want to listen. I want to lean in. I want to understand from the community, like, how do you need me? What, what can we do together? So before we start doing programs and handing this out and handing that out, um, my, my first um, my first call and I think the first act for me is to first uh, have the support of the people around you and you can't get their support if they don't know you you know mm. and, 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 not, and not know you so that you can lead know you so that you can use them as a footstool to make your name greater to expand your own platform or whatever but really like live among people love people care about them um, off the stage not 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 love them so you can take a photo and then rock exactly you know like really like you know just you know loving people so for me um whether it's officially within a non-profit uh or institutional capacity or for just me you know um out there um building relationships getting to know people uh really invite people to get to know me uh today that's that's how i that I'm most effective in the world um, is for me to just love people, me to invite people to um, understand who I am, and then through that, uh, whatever work we can we can cut in a collaborative sense. So once again, it's not me giving to them, but whatever we can collaborate, uh, whatever we whatever work can be reached collaboratively. Um, that's where uh, that's what my aim is today, family. So, do you got some examples of of what you've been doing? in that capacity yes um, for the for uh, recently what I've been doing is just doing that just figuring out who are people in the community and I think that really that's a that's something that often gets devalued if not mm. even signal as work but like really it's like it ain't something that I'm it's not a bullet point on a resume it's like I what am I doing I'm getting to know people I'm you know I'm, I'm, I'm building friendships I'm, I'm inviting people to my home and, and, and I'm getting invited to their homes I'm you know getting lunch with folks and people are like okay what where's the, where's the work it's like what for me it's that that is the word like that is the word so once again as a Christian we look we tend to look at the sort of um spectacular moments that you can mark in spectacular moments of Jesus' ministry. This is when he healed someone. This is when he fed the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes. But like, if you go through all X amount of chapters, a lot of a lot of this faith is filled with him just meeting people. That is very true. And, meeting people. and since you said that, you know, what I realized is that I've seen a lot of pastors make that mistake like jumping into the context without researching the context like um the last church that I was heavily involved in once i knew because i was still at perkins and i had access to something called a mission inside database because you know when we was at perkins we had access to everything for free because we were students there and so I took the opportunity to do a demographic research for Southwest Little Rock where the church was located and just showing them how the demographic of the community had changed from two years from when I started Perkins up to that point, which was basically my senior year. And they completely ignored, they completely ignored it, completely ignored it. And it hurt me because y'all paid me to do this before. And now that I see that the demographic has changed in a way to where you really need to start changing how y'all do your outreach because it shouldn't be focused on Hispanic ministries anymore because more Hispanics are leaving the community. It should be geared towards African Americans and they didn't want to do that. They wanted to hold on to the Hispanic ministry and not reach out to the black people surrounding the community when the percentage of black people went up in that part of Little Rock significantly where the Hispanic ministry population at the time had went down. 
and they was just stuck doing the same wrong thing the same wrong way and once I saw that they weren't interested in being effective in ministry that's when I started praying to God to send me somewhere else or lead me somewhere else where I can do what I've been called to do and that's evangelize and when you said what you just said about your focus is just getting to know the people that is such a invaluable resource as a pastor because when I was pastor of uh, this church in North Florida called McCabe Chapel United Methodist Church what you just described that's exactly what I did through a tutoring program at the church I got to know the parents the kids the homeless people the prostitutes the gang bangers I got to know everybody in that community to where once they got to know me they quit shooting at the church prostitutes stop getting johns under the rotunda <laughs> things started changing they started respecting the sanctity of the campus and me and my friends would go and just check out what was going on in the neighborhood at night i could walk that neighborhood without being scared and it'd be 12 o'clock at night and this was gang infested territory in North Little Rock so I totally totally get what you're saying about getting to know the people that is what the pastor really needs to do with the congregation but in my situation I was kind of stuck doing it by myself but I didn't care because I made some invaluable community connections to this day so I don't regret ever doing that so James this is a young adult radio show and because of who you are and your age because even though I am young at heart you are significantly younger than me aren't you just in your 30s that's what I thought and I'm almost 50 <laughs> so as a recent graduated adult from young adults what kind of advice can you give our young adults um, when it comes to philanthropy uh, in the community yeah no, that's a great question family I, my first advice is uh, whatever service they feel called to uh to may that service emerge from their desires may that service emerge from what, what gives them the greatest sense of uh, fulfillment uh, and so what I mean by that is many young people have spent their lives being um, A to things being told that their desires are not worth pursuing so they need to figure out something more legitimate more respectable or whatever and for many of another part of that conversation that, in my opinion, gets underexplored is that a lot of our folks don't even know what their desires may be because as, as struggling uh, people, we, we're, we're too busy surviving to actually experiment on what really brings us joy. And so part of this, so part of this is, is uh, I'm part of what I'm saying is to invite a, a, a process of stillness and slowness that may even proceed whatever you may think philanthropy is. So before you can give to others, serious no you need to take the time to really cultivate the thing that makes that 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 gives you 
um, the greatest spark, the thing that brings you the most energy. Take the time out, sacrifice the time to cultivate that. Because in the, in the words of the great um, Howard Thurman, what we need is, uh, what the world needs, the world needs people who have come alive. We need people mm. who have come alive. And, and we don't need whatever you think, the 30 people over there who are marked and signified as respectful, you need to become 31. Like, no, 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 maybe you do need to become 31. You know, discern that. Or perhaps you need to figure out what makes you really come alive in the world. And so maybe your first move ain't being philanthropic. Maybe your first move is taking time for the first time ever to figure out just who you are. And that may take a whole season, figuring out who you are, what makes you come alive, what brings you joy, all the things that maybe all the people who abused you and neglected you try to beat out of you. Yeah. Right? Maybe, maybe you need a spirit of reclaiming the things that you thought were lost. Right? Yeah. So after you commit to that um, season, that period of intentional reclamation, then whatever service uh, you're called to commit yourself to will emerge out of you. Um, reclaiming that which um, is yours, even if that was uh, taken away for a season. And I'm so glad you said that, James, because I have preached so many sermons where I've said, do what you love to do to help people at church. You just, that's why I called you. (laughs) Because when preachers say this stuff, it's just, taken as a sermon something for people to contemplate but when someone who isn't who's spiritual theological but not clergy say the same thing i just think that it's it takes the contemplation to another level to where people will actually contemplate action don't you think james no i I definitely believe that i definitely agree with that um Okay, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to ask a final question. What kind of writings and publications are you working on right now? Because I know as a professor, you got to publish, James. What you got going? That's right. right. No, (laughs) we do have to publish. That's for sure. Is is it publish or perish? Oh, you. Well, no, I don't, I don't know what it is at OU. It ain't that way with James Hill Jr. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm by the grace of God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be me. God and God ain't called me to perish. So if God didn't call me to perish, no one else, you know. Uh, <laughs> that on me. Okay, I, I used the wrong words then. Sorry, yeah, sorry, no, sorry. No, 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 but no, 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 you're right. Anyway, you're not wrong. They, I was, institutions would like you to think it's published or perish because institutions think that they can make you or break you, that they, if they think that they have life over you, then they can say without blinking that, you know, we can call you to Paris. If you didn't, if you didn't create me, you can't call you to Paris, you know? Shut so, up, you boy. You, you gonna know, say that so, to your head of department. You know, no, I mean, it's all love. It's all love. <laughs> the reality is that, that that's, you know, you can become a, become a healthy scholar because I know that my source doesn't come from the institution. But it so doesn't don't. come from the institution. My sense of purpose, my sense of drive, I produce at a higher level than most precisely because perishing ain't part of the equation for me, right? So if, 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 if you're afraid of perishing, that's going to affect your production. That's um, true. You know, that's, 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 that's a whole other conversation. So if, I, if I ain't afraid of y'all killing me, I can write whatever the hell I'm supposed to write. Um, <laughs> y'all can't do nothing to me. Uh, because I'm, because I'm, I'm, I'm secure in who I am in God. Um, and, I, and I work hard, and I work hard, and I commit myself to forever writing precisely because um, you know, I'm fortified in the knowledge of who I am in God. But to that, my, my first book um, uh, is a is a deep work of care in black study and religious study, working through uh, religion, anti-blackness, and the life of Michael Jackson. And so that's the uh, really that's my first book. That's my first book. So I'm excited book. about that. So, what about Michael Jackson? Are you gonna bring to the light? Oh. Uh, Oh, wow. He's a a black man, and uh, in fact, that's someone who is so hyper-visible, someone who is so known, um, has has become so unknowable. So, you know, it's one of those things where no matter if I'm talking to a room full of scholars, or I'm I'm sitting at a car table, very few people are going to say, we don't know Michael Jackson. People are going to start talking about how they know Michael Jackson. Right. Pause. Are we really talking about 
that he's dead, he's a tragedy. How you break down, break through, break down all that? What can you actually say about him? Ah. You know, and so, what, so I think that's the discourse in blackness. So what, what do you actually know about this person, this human being that was thrust in, in the world, uh, in front of the world as a child, while, while the world was literally on fire, while the, while the United States of America was burning in the wake of uh, uh, rebellions, right, throughout the country, this little black boy, this beautiful black boy was thrust on, on stage to please the world as the world was reeling and teeming with various, various, myriad violences, um, you know, um, and rebellions and chaos and disorder. And so what does it mean for that boy to, that young boy to be molded and managed and controlled and, and produced to bring you pleasure at the expense of his own soul, at the expense of his own wellness? And then when that young boy becomes an adult and begins to not just struggle, but he begins to tell the apostles he is struggling, we act as if it's his personal problems, and we act as if he just has too much money. It's his daddy. It's it's this. It's that. But we but very rarely do do um, do we take a deeper look into the world that first molded this black boy and made him perform right for our pleasure. And so it's very interesting that when it comes to plastic, we talk about noses, we talk about chins, we talk about skin color, we talk about hair. We don't talk about the way a little boy was plasticized, the way a little black. Boy was oh wow. And and so it's very interesting. We talk about plastic in the 80s. We don't talk about a little black boy being, being, being thrust down an assembly line in Motown so that he can please us, you know, and, and take us away from the real problems of the world. And when that black man begins to haunt us and begins to trouble us, we, we make it a conversation on personal failures and personal responsibility. I don't think we can do that. It's a deeper conversation. And so the, the religious aspects that he's a Jehovah's Witness, and so, a Jehovah, and so his life as a Jehovah's Witness um, it's central to that narrative, but ultimately it is a narrative not just about a black man, and it's a black and it's a black man innocent or guilty, right or wrong, good or bad. It's a conversation about black life in the United States of America. So oh wow! So whenever we're talking about Michael Jackson, you and we're not talking about Michael Jackson. Ultimately, we're talking about this country. So you're going to be talking about black erasure. You're going to be addressing how in the workplace, because technically black people are treated like droids. I hate to say it like that because even in my um, pastoral internship in Garland, Texas, I was treated like a droid. Like I didn't have feelings sometimes. Like I wasn't allowed to be human. I had to be a cookie cutter expectation of what was their expectations of me and not who I really was. I'm just being honest. I mean, it's rough being a black person in a cross appointment because it's like you know how to pastor the white people the way that they need to be pastored and give them what they need, the education, the congregational care. But they want to do, they, it's like they want you to give it to them like you're a joy, not like you're a person. And even as a nurse, when I deal with parents as a pediatric nurse, that's how, like, one of my parents, she treats me like a joy all the time that I have to interact with. Like, I have no feelings, I am not a person, and it's all right to just talk to me any kind of way because I'm just the nurse. I had to just professionally correct some parents on a number of occasions. Mm-hmm. And what, think about think about what you're saying, family. And if that's what happens to us, now think about us. Uh, think about Michael. Exactly. Think about all the things that were said about Michael that not just white folks said that. I mean, it was Michael was one of the. If anything, he's one of the few figures where. All bets are off. Anybody can get off a joke. Everybody. Was yeah, you right. And, and it was just, it was, and once again, you know, when you said, you know, his feelings didn't matter. His, so what, what is that? What are we really saying about popular culture? What are we really saying about what we feel is a fair exchange for you to be wealthy? You, you, you are exchanging your personhood. You are ex- ex- exchanging your interiority. And when that black man rose up and told us he's not well, I'm not well. I'm, I'm, I'm suffering, I'm struggling. 
it didn't even hit. It was like, all right, yeah, whatever. Your daddy beats you like that. All right, but you're rich. You got a Ferris wheel in your backyard. It's not complaining. You know? but, 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 but when you really sit with this, that who was more famous than Michael Jackson? Which black person was more famous celebrity singer was more wealthy than Michael Joe Jackson? And when you stop and think about the fact that that black man never reached retirement age. Yeah. Think about it from that point. Michael Jackson did not live long enough take out a pension plan no so what does that really say about this exchange that we think is worth it right right like like bible says there's a way that seems right unto a person but the end thereof is death if the end thereof is death then we gotta we gotta walk that thing back what are we really fighting for what are we really trying to get in what, what are we really accepting or really what are we saying and doing and once again what are we permitting and then when people are troubled and flawed and haunted and haunting and dead the first thing that the public likes to do is like oh no that ain't got nothing to do with us we ain't, we ain't telling him to do that we ain't, we ain't we don't have any part to play in all this but yet but yet it's a long 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 narrative a 50 year narrative in michael's case and i think it's a lot of folks who conveniently like to say that they play no part in the construction uh of this brother and then the haunting and the hauntedness of this brother but if we look at the long archive a whole bunch of folks taking telling jokes. There's a whole bunch of folks who heard this brother was struggling. There's a whole bunch of folks who knew that 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 this brother did not need another record breaking contract deal. He needed some help. And instead of actually saying we are we more than we want to be entertained by you, we want you to remain black man. We want you to be healthy black man. We want you to know that you're loved black man. It's not all on us, but to then say that we play no part in the mediation and the construction of these creative artists, it's just simply not true. Because all the stuff that was said about him got back to him. And so when so all this is part of the narrative and all this is permissible, all this was deemed permissible and all this was deemed have as, as having nothing to do with what ultimately happens to any of us. So what I want to say is that in my work, that we, we, you just don't wait till a person dies and then want to then have, have a memorial, right? Right. It's the fact of the matter is that who are the people who are laughed at and mocked and ridiculed? And I think it's even at a higher level now with social media who are trending and we get online and say whatever we want to say and we laugh at them and we mock them. And then when you get a break news alert, the first thing we want to say is that it ain't got nothing to do with what I just posted yesterday. Oh. You know, and so and so, I think that for me to actually look at this beautiful black person, beautiful black boy, and beautiful black man who, at a very early age, began to tell the, anybody who will listen that I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I make a lot of money. I make you feel good. I bring you joy, but I'm not well. He was letting us know at an early age, I'm not well. And myself included, far too many, was like, oh, that's sad. What's the next album? Oh my goodness. And since you since you said that, James, so basically should we reiterate to the young people that before they go out to help somebody, they need to help themselves first. Yeah, yeah. And really, really think about what what are what are we really saying by help, right? It's the fact that once again you can you can you can keep on you can you can help everybody else, but once again, you have to remain. So Michael Jackson helped a lot of people. People will say Michael Jackson helped a lot of people, but the brother couldn't help himself ultimately, right? And we and fans like to blame. We can blame AEG and we can blame the doctors and we can talk. He was good. He was his death is ruled a homicide. So it ain't like he just you know fell down the stairs. So like no, there's a lot of forces that 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 that, that contributed um, to his death. Yeah, You're absolutely, right. Absolutely, but then but. But I think the, for the fan side of it, those who um, can't acknowledge the fact that, that, that our brother was troubled, uh, we don't we do not do a service to him by saying he's a perfect angel and, you know, he was too pure for this world. Like, because Michael didn't say that about himself. You know, he, he, did, he did his, he entitled albums dangerous. He entitled albums bad. You know, he, he was letting us know that, 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 that there was a deep, 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 complex, um, uh, nature, his nature, his nature, his interiority was anything but simple, anything but you know polarized. Like you can't put him on it on any side. You talk about his race, talk about his gender performance mask. Is he a real man? Talk about his sexuality. Talk about anything. He doesn't fit anywhere neatly. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so there's so so there there's a need for us um, to really, I say in my work, to look. 
look at Michael's life and not try to find an easy solution, not find an easy solve. No, it's, it's a riddle that we should not try to solve quickly. It's a riddle that we need to sit with and be haunted by. Because maybe if we're haunted enough by this riddle, we'll treat people, we'll, 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 we'll treat the next child better. We'll treat the next young entertainer better. We'll, we'll begin to take a deeper look at these celebrities who bring us pleasure, but when we really listen to them, they're not well. Mm. Right, right, right. The whole time, as doing all the studies I've done with Michael, that brother, by the time that brother was in it, by the time that brother touched, touched 20, he was telling us he wasn't well. But he was gifted, so it didn't matter. Mm. Until then, now he's, now he's died. Now, he, once again, um, he's dead, and no one, very few people, want to take an introspective look and say the fact that, wait a minute, what does it mean, the fact that this brother died at 50 and the last 30 years of his life, he was telling us he wasn't okay. Mm, so you're going to dive deep into all of that in your book and tie it into African-American cultural studies and religion? As much as I can, family, as much as they let me. That's the plan. Oh, wow. I want to read the manuscript. Have you written it? It's, 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 we have a form of it. We have a format of it. We have, we have a couple more uh, takes to go. But we have a, in the musical sense, we have, we have a solid demo. You got a solid demo. Then you'd be ready to drop the mixtape. Oh, snap. So are you going to publish it as an article first before you develop it into a novel? No, I think I think it's going to be the other way around. We're going to drop the book first and then for the, you know, you can't you can't have deluxe edition books, right? So we'll drop the book and then the content that for whatever reason doesn't make its way into So are you yeah, going to do the same thing with Prince? Because I know you love Prince like I do. Yeah, no, no, no. I think I think, I think uh, Prince will always be a conversation partner. But uh, I won't, I don't, I'll, it's safe to say I'll never devote as much energy to another single individual as I've devoted to Michael besides myself and my family. So I know that's right. Michael, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm sat with Michael and will be sitting with Michael um, for my whole life. And, and yeah, that's that's. I know that's right. So have you introduced any of this conversation with any of your students in your African-American studies classes? Absolutely, 100%. And uh, it's fascinating because, as you know, um, students who are freshmen were, were born in 2003. Right. right. Um, so all of my students who are, well, should I say, all of uh, freshmen, sophomores, at this point, if they're born, no, I think that back, starting this year, uh, the majority of the student bodies on our campuses, undergraduate student bodies, were born uh, post 9 11, right? Because if right. you think about it, 2022, um, you know, minus 01, then, you know, if someone was born in 01, they're 21 right now. So they're, they're junior, senior, right? And so um, we're entering into a space where um, most of our students are, you know, born post 9 11. So what that means for me, you know, also what I share with those of us who are older. Uh, what does it mean for an entire generation? Their primary knowledge of Michael Jackson is not uh, music videos or, you know, stages, but courthouses. What? If you think, if you think about this, from 1995 to 2009, Michael, produced, Michael released, um, well, three, like three albums, but really, in, like, all new music, he produced uh, three albums. And well, really, he, really one of those, two of those, on the dance floor in history were companion pieces in many ways but uh, he produced his last album was produced in 2001 Invincible and so the thing about how do you remember Michael Jackson as an entertainer you ain't thinking a lot of a lot of stuff post-1993 me? no I'm the thriller girl I'm off the wall uh, um, uh, what's the one um, it's this one song girl close your eyes What's that yeah. song? I love that song. Yes, that is my jam. Yeah. So, so think about that. So think about that. If, if you, if even you, who were, you're, you've been, or you, you know, you know Michael for all these periods, you go back to the 80s. But if you were, if you were born in 90, if you were born in 98, if you were born in 04, like, when you think of Michael Jackson, you're not thinking of someone who owns the charts. 
No. You thinking about somebody with the Jesus juice with the kids at that point. That's, that's all you know. <laughs> that's, that's all they know. Give us our final words, Dr. Hill, on what you think that 
our young listening congregation to really know and understand about being of service to others? Yeah, the word I, um, the word I can give, I think, has been the word throughout the conversation is uh, in order to serve others first, begin to critically serve themselves. And then, and I don't mean that in the selfish sense, I mean that in a rigorous, critical way, serve themselves. Um, take time to really have tough conversations, right? And they, if the resources of therapy are, are available, take exercise that if they don't know if they're available as someone in their community, all the resources um, as black people that we can get to to learn how to have difficult conversations with ourselves, learn how to love ourselves, learn how to truly in a healthy manner care for ourselves, to be curious about ourselves. Only when we love ourselves and we're curious about ourselves can we develop the resources and strength to offer anybody else anything. Oh, bless you and praise God for you, James. So, can I ask for you to bless my listening congregation again in the future? 100%. And then when you are done with your book or when it's done with editing and up for publishing you're gonna let me interview you about what what about well i did interview you about it before but you can be more specific and tell people how to purchase it and stuff like that 100 always yay thank you james i love you give the kids and jessica a hug for me all right you know i will look forward to the next conversation thank you james Bye-bye. Let's get this mother crock! Yeah! Yeah. What? Okay! Okay. Hey, hey, hey! I gotta ask you a question. Do you like the method? Cause if you do, then follow us all the time! Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Method 3. It's easy. If you have Apple Music and you like the songs that we play, you can download the songs from The Method Radio. And if you miss Saturday Vesper here on KABF, you can download episodes of The Method on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on all major streaming platforms. That's right. Shake that monkey, man. There's something to celebrate. I'm talking about. Thanks for your support. And thanks for being down with the method. Yeah, thank you. First of all, I just want to stop and praise God for my little brother, Dr. James Howard Hill Jr., for taking the time to educating us and enlightening us on just how deep it is to be of service. It's just a little bit deeper than just signing up to do community service for a photo op we have to use what we love to help transform people's lives for the better and the pericope for today for our short homily comes from the 14th chapter of luke verses 25 through 33 I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Updated Edition. Hear now the words of the God of the angel armies. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot 
be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to rage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the others still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please may I pray for us. May the words of my mouth bring you praise and may the things that I speak be seasoned with your love and grace may the things O Lord that I choose to say bring glory and not shame to your name this day may the words of my mouth bring you praise spirit of the living God fall afresh on us in Jesus' name, amen. Now, the conversation that I had with Dr. Hill was something that was very, very enlightening for me because what he said affirmed everything that I've ever done as a pastor, um, being a local pastor in the United Methodist Church, even before I went to seminary when I was just reading and praying and asking and seeking the things that I was doing it just made sense to me but when I heard James talk about the theological importance of it and how it is relevant to our culture as African-American people then that's when I was like praise God I was on the right track even back in those days in my early and late 20s when I started performing my role as a minister more pastorally. Now when we look at the pericope for today, it is a very juicy and meaty passage of scripture and the hope is for this passage of scripture to shed some light on question number 17. Do I enjoy serving God and others? Now, if we look at verse 27 in the pericope, this is, this is where we can learn the first thing. In verses 26, actually, in 27, that being of service is a part of being a disciple of God. We can't say that we're disciples of Jesus Christ when our services don't reflect that. Now the second thing that we can learn, we can learn this in verses 28 through 29. And we need to stop and examine ourselves first before we get out and be of service to all mankind. Like our motto is in Alpha Kappa Alpha. We have to do what Dr. Hill recommended because even Jesus says that we need to have a plan in verses 28 through 29 because if we don't self-reflect and make a model for action, we won't be effective in our works of piety and mercy. And the third thing, but not the last thing, that we can learn from this passage of scripture we can learn in verse 33 we learn that even when we serve it's not about us okay let me say it again when we serve it is not about us when Jesus says give up all your possessions this is a metaphor teaching us that when we are working for God in service during our acts of mercy and piety we need to enjoy the God moment. 
We need to enjoy experiencing it. And that right there needs to be our main focus, not what we're going to receive for what we do in service to God and others. But just be in that moment, that God moment, to where when we use what we love to help others, God's glory is seen in our own edification. Now, the staff and crew of The Method, we want everyone to be able to live their best lives. And one way that people can live their best lives is being in service to others. And when we are in service to others for the glory of God, that's how we become the salt of the earth. Our works of mercy is the season that we use to spread the love of God and Jesus Christ in thought, word, and deed. And in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, the hip-hop pastor has spoken to God be the glory and praise God for Dr. James Howard Hill, Jr. Amen. I am mighty. Leave them. Let me put some money in your bag. You don't need what I 